Welcome into Locked On Knicks. Alex Wolf and Gavin Shaw here. And we have a special guest today, bringing him back in for the first time in a little while. Jonathan Macri of Knicks Film School, Knicks Sports Illustrated, the Knicks Film School podcast, naturally. All that good stuff joins us today. And Gavin, we start off with a little talk about a new front office hire for the Knicks, a sort of enigmatic front office hire. Mm, And then we get into the coaching search, the idea that uh, Tom Thibodeau is, in fact, the heavy favorite. Um, Maybe maybe a little closer to getting hired than, than we thought, thanks to a little breaking news on the pod. And then we finish up talking about the NBA's bubble, uh, a short, not too long debate on the ethics of it, and then just some of the fun stories and little anecdotes that have emerged over the last couple of days. So all that and more next on Locked on Knicks. You are Locked on Knicks, your daily New York Knicks podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. This is all rebound, back up off the glass, it's good, RJ what he does is he contagious. Oh, Robinson with a catch and slam. Cross the lane. Knox found from behind. Got it and one to Trier. Trier drives. Becomes infectious. Becomes infectious. Welcome into Locked On Knicks. Today's episode is brought to you by rockauto.com. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need at rockauto.com. And Gavin and I are joined by a very special guest today, as we mentioned. We have Jonathan Macri, and Macri and I have this fun game that we, uh, I just sort of realized that we play where we we try to introduce each other uh, even more illustriously each time <laughs> and, and then go on to say, oh, no, 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 that's that's way too much. So I'm going to say this is the most illustrious, prestigious, honorable guest we've ever had in the history of Locked on Knicks. Jonathan Macri of Knicks Film School, the Knicks Film School podcast, the Knicks Film School newsletter and Knicks Sports Illustrated. Uh, I, I do. I do. To do a lot more stuff than I should probably be doing, given that um, I am home with a small child um, who deserves my attention probably more than the Knicks do. But, you know, we, we make our choices in life. What can I say? Yeah, I, I'm in a similar boat. You know, everybody always says that. They're like, oh, give us your laundry list. I'm like, yeah, OK. And it's like locked on Knicks, Knicks SI, posting and toasting, whatever. But, you know, we all do. We all do what we have to do to make ends meet. <laughs> Um, and, now, and now here I am at nine o'clock on a Monday night, um, scrolling through a LinkedIn profile. That is that is what you know counts for journalism yeah. these days, which I'm sure we'll get to. Yeah, <laughs> so we'll get to that in just a moment. But how's uh, how's home life treating you? How's quarantine life? I feel like didn't it feels like ten million years ago? But didn't you come on right after the NBA shut down with us? I I feel like that was the last time you were on, but I, I don't uh, remember. No, there was one time a little more recently, I think. Was it? I don't know. Whatever. How are you doing? How's everything going? I've lost track of everything. Um, I'm good. Uh, I, I'm good. I uh, My wife's been under the weather the last few days, so uh, it has fallen on me to um, keep the house from uh, falling into a sinkhole and, you know, keeping everybody fed and, and moving onwards and upwards. It, I, I will say this. 
any any single parents out there listening to this, I mean, who have like a small child at home, boy, you you deserve all of the credit in the world and then some because like I have a se- I've, I have felt like a single parent the la- like essentially the last couple days and it, it's um that's not so much fun. Just just gonna throw throw that out there. Uh, but other than that, I'm, I'm doing really good. And uh, as always, I appreciate you guys having me on. What's your best dish that you cook at home? Um, oh goodness, I made chicken cutlets tonight. Um, mm-hmm. I mean that's like you know that's an Italian staple. Um, I made a killer a killer turkey meatloaf a few days ago. Um, with some I, I uh, sautéed some onions and then put them into the meatloaf with a whole bunch of other stuff that that was fun um i don't know that i have one go-to dish though i just i i'm great at like finding stuff in the fridge and concocting something out of of the ingredients that i have available to me that's that's my specialty yeah i think you should go on chopped that's probably I, yeah career it's, move. it's one it's my guilty pleasure that and uh Diners, drive-ins, and dives. If I need, I, not that I have a lot of time for mindless uh, entertainment these days, but um, yeah, th- I love chopped. I would, if you're listening to this, chop producers, please call me for your next like. What, what's lower than like celebrity chopped? Like, yeah, let's. We could both go on. It could be like obscure internet sports celebrity. <laughs> chopped. Yeah, <laughs> Nick's podcasters chopped. Yeah. You, know, you could, you got, you guys could just like shoot that on your own and then maybe send it to Chopped and be like, what? here's a rough that cut. Be, yeah. Imagine with be, your production what we could do. It could be us and Schwinn and uh, I, I was gonna say someone else, but I won't. Um, whatever. Oh, we'll, we'll, Drew would. Drew likes cooking. I think he would. Fine. We'll get. We'll get Drew. Yes. That, I don't. I think you need like Isola in there for like a little bit of tension. Like there has to be a little like like there there has to be some prior relationship that people don't know about. As long as we can chop him in the first round. Then I'm I'm good with it. Just see the tantrum. I mean, you just you can't you can't be too ambitious in the first round. The whole the first round, you just get all the ingredients on the plate and have them be edible. That's it. Yeah, you it's do that. Minutes, man. Yeah, that's, that's the, the mistake that mistake. people people always try to go too big in the first round. Yeah. Did you ever see? Okay, this is totally random. Did you ever see the one episode they did one where it was like a like quote unquote dumplings episode, but like so you could do like dumplings, raviolis, like whatever, and they had this dude on the I forget the name of his restaurant, but it's like a like a real old timey like Italian restaurant in New York. And this guy comes on and he's like, I've been making raviolis my whole life, blah, blah, blah. And he goes to make full on raviolis in the first round. And, and literally by the time the clock expired, he was still stuffing like his third ravioli and he served them nothing. And he's like, I couldn't get done in time. And then he got when he left, he's just like, I couldn't do this. It's just not my thing. <laughs> I just snorted. That's the first snort I've ever had. I think on a podcast. Um, I, I have not seen that episode, but I really want to see it. The, the the rare time you get the empty plate is I f- I feel bad though because it's like these this is these people's livelihoods and you know he took yeah that dude was doing all right like he didn't need the ten G's so like he took it in stride and I was like you know what you took it in stride you're fine you took one on the chin it's it's okay that's that was an okay episode yeah yeah but. Anyway, um, we should probably hop into like the actual basketball stuff. So yeah, there's, there's some stuff. There's some stuff to talk about. Just a little bit. Uh, you just uh, you just pointed this out to me literally right before we started recording, which I hadn't even seen this yet. But uh, got a tip from Alder Almo on Twitter at Alder Almo. Shout out to him. Uh, and then you retweeted it that Leon Rose made a pickup in the front office uh, that sort of went under the radar, but 
is showing up on LinkedIn now, as you were just mentioning a moment ago. Yeah. You got Sean McLean, uh, who was previously with Capital One as the basketball strategy lead. And he's also the former VP of strategy and operational excellence at something called Stack Sports. So that's cool. Uh, I think you said before we start recording, you had a take on this. What's your take? My take, well, it's, I, I had I had a brain fart when my take, my take was going to be like, look, um, I think it's a great, well, no, this take still, still works, which is that I think um, it's a, I'm a big fan of like reaching out, like from outside of whatever, like the business you're in and like getting someone who's just really like a smart, like forward thinking, interesting like person um, who thinks creatively and like, obviously I don't know Sean McLean from a hole in the wall. I'm assuming that Leon Rose has vetted this person and is hiring him for more than his resume. Um, And that, you know, he's, he's smart and very good in his field. One would hope. And, and I kind of like it. I kind of dig getting someone from outside of basketball and like, cause you know what? It's, it's interesting when you, you know, you start to lose sight of the forest for the trees. And I think that that is true in any walk of life. Um, so I like kind of the perspective, the idea of bringing in someone who could bring a fresh perspective. What I was going to say that was was going to be the other part of my take that is now kind of cold is that um, he went to Wharton. He got an MBA from Wharton, so he must be smart because everybody who went to Wharton is obviously smart. And then I was reminded uh, by you and a few people on Twitter um, that that is not necessarily the case, but we're not going to talk politics on this podcast, so I'm not going to say any more. Um, uh, you could say who went there. Say who went there. Well, Mister, uh, you know the the current president uh, went there. Whether whether he got in legitimately, I guess, is now a matter of or going to be a matter of some debate. Um, but but I digress. Um, I will still go out on a limb and say that this person, by virtue of the fact that they got an MBA from Wharton, is probably pretty bright. Um, so, you know, good, good, good job by you, uh, Leon Rose getting Sean McLean in the door. I think it's cool. Just a quick reminder. Today's show is brought to you by rockauto.com. I don't know if you've been to a chain store for your auto parts, but if you have, then you probably know that chain stores have different price tiers for professional mechanics versus do it yourselfers like you and me. I mean, I know I, I have zero mechanic training and zero car training, but you know, I do have a tendency to go on YouTube and if I have like a small thing that I can diagnose myself that's wrong with my car, usually it's just swapping out a light or, you know, putting on a, a cosmetic part of some sort. I'll look it up online, see if I can do it myself, you know, watch some YouTube videos, whatever, and educate myself and then go try to get a part. But a lot of times I'm discouraged from doing that because the in-person shopping experience at most you know, auto parts stores is horrible. I mean, it's just not fun for, you know, a non-mechanic to walk in there. You know, you got to deal with the guy at the counter who's asking you a million questions that you don't necessarily know the answer to. And then uh, almost without fail in that tiny little store, they never have the part that you actually need on hand. So it has to get ordered. And then, you know, they're going to just order whatever the one is that's going to make them the most money and not necessarily looking out for your wallet. Meanwhile, you have rockauto.com, which exists right on your computer, right on your phone. It's super easy to get to, super easy to navigate. Like you just log on, you can find your make of car, 
and then you select the year, the model, and then the trim package, and you have all kinds of parts available for you. Pretty much anything, you know, from minor cosmetic level stuff, like what I usually try to do, all the way up to engine parts and, you know, the more advanced stuff that, you know, you could do if you really want to try and get under the hood and do something on your own car. And, uh, you know, the best part is, is that they charge you the same price that they would charge a mechanic, whereas that big box store is probably going to give your local mechanic a better deal than you because they see them more often and, you know, do more business or whatever. RockAuto.com gives you the same price no matter what. And quite frankly, their price is as good or better than probably those mechanic prices at the auto parts stores. So you're working out pretty much, you know, in the good here, no matter what, if you go to rockauto.com. So if you go there to rockauto.com and see all the parts available for your car or truck and you decide to purchase one, which, you know, if you're even thinking about getting a part for your car, you're probably going to end up purchasing uh, right locked on in there. How did you hear about us box so that they know that we sent you amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need at rockauto.com. What do you yeah. think, Gavin? I am. Um, I, I, I kind of like it, too. I mean, that's sort of how, like, Daryl Morey, before he got hired by the Celtics, was, I, I think he was on track to go into business more so. And he, he was nominally, like, obviously, he was a lot younger and, like, maybe profiled more similarly to, like, analytics guys out of, like, MIT and Harvard who, like, I guess the best of the best who get hired right out of school now. But it's, I mean, it, it's it's a model that's worked before. And I'm, 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 I'm a fan of John's take. I think... Every team should have maybe one person who, uh, presumably on the analytics side, but like someone who comes from just a completely different field, just to sort of mix things up, throw stuff out there. Maybe a lot of the time you're going to hire someone who's just like a complete wacko when it comes to basketball and has all these weird opinions. But presumably they um, they stumbled into someone smart here. I don't know. I've liked the Leon Rose uh, hiring track record so far. And uh, based on LinkedIn scouring, I'm, I'm a fan of it. I'm just, you know what, you know what I'd love to be a fly on the wall for? Like, let's say Sean McLean has never watched a basketball game in his life, and on his first day, he's like, so do you guys have, are there like metrics out there that, that tell you how good or bad the team is performing when certain players are on the court? And then someone, you know, speaks up in the, you know, the, the giant oval table and be like, yeah, there's this thing called net rating. And he's like, oh, can I get a readout of all those? And then, like, he starts looking and then, you know, he's like, well, I see this this couple of pairings here did really good and this other couple of pairings did really bad. And it seems we're not playing the ones that did really well as much as we're playing the ones that did really poorly. Can can someone explain why that is? And I want to be a fly on the wall for those conversations because, I, <laughs> you know, it just, you know, it's like, I, listen. I, we don't James Dolan is just like, get out. <laughs> well, I hope James Dolan isn't in these meetings. Yeah. But like, you know, Scott Perry, look, he, I, I, I'm hard on Perry, but he is a traditional thinker, right? I think he's he's known as a guy that's, kind of, you know, basketball lifer, the whole thing. So to me, getting someone else in the door who's maybe, you know, going to force someone like a Scott Perry to to have to actually like verbalize. OK, so why is it that we do the things that we do? You know, just I'm, I'm all for that. Yeah, it. I mean, maybe he'll be our our money ball guy. Who knows? You know, whatever. But, yeah, I mean, I feel like I feel like this kind of tracks with hiring Brock Aller, though. Like, this feels like a guy that will probably report to him, uh, at least to me, as far as like trying to match up, you know, 
like money to production and and try to find diamond in the rough type guys. I mean, I don't know. I again, I don't really see any basketball experience like other than literally the job that he just took. Um, the like stack sports or whatever. It seemed like he was more about like growing a brand, sort of. Um, so it's it's a little confusing to me, but. I mean, ultimately, I, I haven't had a single issue with a Leon Rose hire so far. So I, I think I've reached the point where I'm just kind of willing to give him benefit of the doubt. Also, this is like a very under-the-radar hiring that the Knicks didn't go out of their way to, like, announce or anything. So I don't know that this is, you know, maybe he's not someone that's going to be an enormous presence here. But it's just kind of someone who's there to do his thing. And, you know, if he finds something that stands out or whatever, then he'll have an opportunity to speak up about it. But I don't know. It's uh, it would be interesting to see. I, I I guess we'll find out, you know, soon enough here. Um, in the next few months, or you know, maybe we won't feel an effect of him until the Knicks, you know, make a really good under the radar free agent signing or something. That then it comes out later on, like, oh yeah, we owe that one to Sean McLean. He really, you know, he he <laughs> scoured over NBA.com/stats for hours and found this guy. Like, <laughs> we, we didn't even know that existed before he came in. <laughs> Yeah, like cleaning his cleaning the glass subscription was well worth it. I tell you that much. Like, I don't know. <laughs> Did you guys know there was a site that that put all this stuff out there? We 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 just had no idea. <laughs> <laughs> they get him a synergy subscription, and they're like, "What synergy? Like, this, oh, this is cool. You guys what think Steve this? knew about this? There's no way Steve knew about this. But, you know, you guys are joking. And look, it uh, it's, but at the same time. We all watched the season, and we saw the moves that they made last summer. I am still convinced, and and I want someone to tell me otherwise, that when they figured out that they weren't getting you-know-who, they just they didn't crack open a bunch of packs of basketball cards and threw them at an intern and say, okay, quick, sort these by the guys who are available. And then, you know, oh, Julius Randle, what's it, 20 points, 8 rebounds? Yeah, sign him up. Um, uh, I'm 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 a big believer. They just scroll through like the like uh, you you can still go. Obviously, you can do this on NBA.com, but you just go on ESPN and go to the traditional stat rankings and just just scroll yeah. through the points per game line and just say, oh, Rand-, you know, Randall was like he was 18th in points per game. Let's can we get him? Let's let's get him. Let's get him. I think that when they got Randall, I mean, I actually sort of agreed with some of their signings last year. Like I thought it was smart to sign Ellington, who really crapped the bed, but ultimately, I mean. I couldn't fault that signing based off what the team had never had before, which was like a good shooter like that. And then like signing Bullock, who wound up being a, a huge value contract, like Taj Gibson, that's a fine signing. But yeah, like with Randall now in retrospect, I mean, it kind of just reeks of like, we need the highest profile guy. Who's not a high profile guy basically. And that's who they yep. signed. And it was like, well, he's an up and comer and I talked myself into mm-hmm. him, but I, I mean, I still think, there's some hope for him if he gets proper coaching. I mean, we, we sort of just reached this perfect storm this past year where he got handed a huge contract, which comes with a whole list of responsibilities with it, you know, sort of unspoken. And then gets David Fisdale, who wants to empower him to basically be LeBron James. And then, <laughs> you know, just predictably shits the bed and, you know, you, it seemed pretty predictable when you look at all the things on the wall. But, I mean, the year prior with Gentry in New Orleans, he managed to put together that really good season to earn him that contract. And, like, was, like, 90-something percentile in, in pick and roll and seemed like he maybe could be a good enough defender to not 
be a negative player. Like, I don't know. I mean, no, I, I guess we'll I guess we'll see going forward. But yeah, it, it definitely it reeked then and now of just like we need the next best guy. And like but, it's like if you're playing NBA 2K and all the best guys sign contracts and you just start going through the overalls <laughs> and you're like, damn it, I guess I'll get Julius Randle. Um, I, I've never played NBA 2K, so I but I am familiar with with, with what it is. So I, I God, you're so get... old. You're so I, hey man, knocking on 40's door. I'm not that far <laughs> away. It's just I can't believe I just said that. Um, <laughs> what was I gonna say? No, I actually, you know, a frequent frequent friend of the Locked On Knicks podcast and friend of the KFS pod. Now I could say, uh, Mark Berman. I thought it was interesting that he snuck it in. Um, his, uh, I think it was his Q and A uh, over the weekend. He's he's been doing a couple of those a week, but um, <clears throat> somebody. Asked him a question about like you know what would your what do you think the lineups could be next year and he you know put a, a prospective you know basically ten man rotation in which Julius Randle was coming off the bench um, at power forward and like you know Mark's funny and and you Alex I don't need to tell you this because you you've talked to Mark offline a lot as have I like he knows a lot and he you know he didn't like say anything implying like he'd heard you know conversations about maybe they were thinking about bringing him off the bench but at the same time wouldn't surprise me um and i I haven't had a chance to ask him about it i should probably do that but like you know it maybe it's not that crazy for him to get back to being that player and 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 to tie this all together like that's the type of thinking that maybe someone from outside the organization from outside of basketball like you know, maybe that's something that that that, that person might push. Um, so again, I'm I'm all for a fresh a fresh set of eyes. Yeah, yeah, I'm with it. I mean, I guess we'll just see. You know, again, I feel like this is a name that we're going to discuss today, and then we'll never talk about again. Probably someday, <laughs> unless someday there's a signing and Leon Rose makes a point to give him the public, you know, pat on the back and be like, "Yeah, we owe this one all to Sean." You know, Sean. Sean McClain, you know, our basketball strategy lead. Yeah, he he did the whole thing, you know, and that's when we you know him next, from but. LinkedIn. Yeah, yeah, exactly. He's got like the piece of paper in front of him, like uh, like James Dolan on on uh, ESPN radio reading the yeah. name off the binder. Oh, that was great. <laughs> that was fantastic. Our basketball strategy lead. Is that his name? Brock? He's a... <laughs> we traded Kevin Canucks and <laughs> <laughs> Kevin Canucks and uh, uh, what's another name that could easily Frank? Frank I was a, yeah, I was about uh, to say Frank. N- wasn't wasn't Nitalinka always like the gross mispronunciation of it? Or? Well, if he if he listens to his own broadcaster, he's going to call him Nicolina because Clyde still gets that wrong occasionally. <laughs> I think Clyde generally gets Nilakina right now, and he likes he puts like flair on it now. Like I think he's proud of himself for learning. Yeah, that <laughs> he now goes at it with like. Nilakina. Yeah, it's like a big win every time he says it correctly. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I love Clyde so much. Yeah, he gets I miss pass. Clyde, man. They should. Can they like loan Clyde to the bubble to let him call some games? I, I no, actually no, don't do that. He's gonna get it. That's that's a, just a horrible idea. Never, forget I said. Only if you could do it over Zoom. Yeah, only if you could do it over Zoom from Saint Croix. Yeah, does Saint Croix have Zoom? I I'm sure he has internet. I mean. I don't know about that. I would actually wager that even if even if Wi-Fi is available on whatever beach condo he is uh, holed up in, I why would he get it? Like, what does That's he need true. Wi-Fi? Maybe there's a okay. Maybe there's a Saint Croix WeWork somewhere, and Clyde can get 
internet from there. Yeah, I'm sure, I'm sure he's visiting there on a you know weekly basis. <laughs> he goes to like an internet cafe to call the NBA finals. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh man, that would be good. I would pay for that. I would I would watch that hot mic broadcast. And yeah, yeah, exactly. Hot mic. Yeah, that should yeah. it should be like a second stream option to like just be Clyde by himself, just all of his thoughts on the game. Yeah, I wonder. Good. Do you think could he rhyme for forty eight minutes without Breen? Like, if you just had to do the whole game solo? Yeah, I mean, I don't think he could do the whole. thing. He couldn't do like. I don't think Clyde could turn a, a game into a performance of Hamilton and like, rhyme the whole time. But he could definitely. He could probably call it himself. It would just be a lot of silence. Yeah, you know, there there would be a lot of times where he just wouldn't be saying anything, and then he'd be like, "Oh yeah, there's there's LeBron dunking and." You know, whatever. I don't know. Posting and toasting. Yeah. Uh, bounding and astounding. You know, whatever. And and then you would have silence for like a minute or two. And then <laughs> Clyde would say something yeah, else. Yeah, I, I would pay for that. Yeah, I'd I, be I, I, I'd give a few bucks. So we have some... Uh, I, 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 you know, I feel like I, I need to let you... Because I have to remember, I'm not hosting the show. But we do have another bit of... Not news, but we have something. Um, it, it, uh, are we getting into the coaching thing? Yeah, take it away, John. Let's lead us into our next topic. <laughs> no, don't mind if I do. Uh, no, um, JB, just, um, I guess, uh, Ian Bagley uh, is on with um, uh, Larry Hardesty on ESPN Radio and said that there are still hurdles for Tom Thibodeau to cross, such as contract negotiations and the final sign-off by the owner, but he is still the clear front-runner for the Knicks job. This sounds like... The report before the report before the report that Tom Tom Thibodeau is going to be the coach of the Knicks. That's what it sounds like. Well, it always seemed like he was going to be. I mean, I, I don't know. know. Well, can we talk about that for a sec? Because I'm curious what your guys' impressions are. Because I've gotten, and again, I, I, just, I spend way too much mental energy trying to read all the, the tea leaves that are probably not even tea leaves. I don't even know. What what, is, what does a tea leaf look like? I've, I don't know if I've ever seen a tea leaf. Have you never um, read, like, loose leaf tea before? No, I mean it looks like little, it's little a leaf. <laughs> it starts off small, and then you put it in like the little tea thing, and then it gets big. And then, Wait, but who who is who's reading? It's like it's a fortune telling thing, right? To read, yeah, it's a fortune telling thing. Okay, yeah. gotcha. Okay. Do you put the leaf in like a stream, and then the, the direction that the leaf goes? That's no. Like, I think the way that reading tea leaves works is um, in like the you know in the sense of like fortune telling or whatever is like you make a cup of tea with like loose leaf tea or whatever. And then I think you drink it, I think is the whole thing. Cause you know, like when you make tea with the, like the old style method, they have, I think there's almost like a French pressy type thing you yeah. can do, yeah. you know, where you can keep the leaves at the bottom or whatever. And so like you make your tea, you drink it. And then you, you know, once you're done, all the leaves just sit at the bottom. And then the, the fortune teller looks in oh. it and supposedly can divine something about your future from how the tea leaves look at the bottom. Oh, okay. interesting. I, I always thought it was like an invisible ink scenario, but that's no, that no, no. Yeah. Much, much sillier than that. Don't worry. Yeah, no, that is that is pretty <laughs> silly. Well, in, in any case, I'm curious um, in your guys reading of, of the proverbial tea leaves, um, how you feel like do, do you both did, have you like never had a doubt in your mind that it was going to be tips? Because I've kind of gotten the impression that like there was a real push for kid somewhere in the organization and i i did not think that that was just like nonsense i thought that was a real thing i mean i mean who knows maybe it still is but you know uh, that was my impression no i i was 
I, I was a little worried. I, I don't know about you, Alex. I, I was I was a little worried about that. And it just it sort of just all tracked for me with the idea that, again, like the uh, the modus operandi is, is star hunting. And obviously Giannis is the number one star and Jason Kidd is theoretically your um, invitation into that particular room. And it just it, it would have felt like very classic Knicks to go with the guy who's nominally the worst or, or second worst candidate out of 13. Um, and for a what I, I think you, you talked about this in, in your newsletter, John, um, like uh, what, like a five percent chance of Giannis, a 10 percent chance of Giannis. I, like, who knows? Yeah, I'm like I I'm, but I was literally I was I really spent some time thinking about that. Like, what is. What is the value of getting in the room with that guy? Like, I, I don't, I don't know. Cause I, I just, gosh, I could listen. I've, I've drank a lot of Kool-Aid in my day. Oh boy. Have I, um, I cannot for the life of me, you know, all due respect to my, my part-time co-host, Jeremy Cohen. I love you, Jeremy. He has this, you know, crazy notion that they're going to, swing for the fences and sign like Giannis and AD next summer. And God, God bless him for that positivity for the life of me. I cannot fathom a a scenario where Giannis even considers the Knicks in a year. I just can't. And I hope I'm I'm, obviously I hope I'm wrong, but um, yeah. So I just, I don't know what the value of that really is, but you know, I think that the bucks would have to phenomenally fall on their faces for that to happen. Uh, And the Knicks would have to show real, real progress. Um, but like, yeah, I, I have a hard time believing it as well or thinking of it as a real possibility. The big thing with me is like, as far as Kate's concerned, I feel like it's really like, I feel like Giannis will always give a good quote about kid because I think that's just sort of an unspoken thing in the NBA by and large is like coaches speak well of other coaches you know, players speak well of their former coaches by and large. Like, there's really no animosity in the league anymore as far as that's concerned. Um, and, you know, even if players don't like their coaches, they just kind of plead the fifth on it, you know. Um, but, like, I, I don't think that I don't think that getting kid would be some instant selling point for Giannis anyway because the team kind of sucked when kid was there. Like, by comparison to how they have been the last two years where they're like, you know, basically the only change you made is you put Budenholzer in there and obviously Giannis develops a little more and all that. But I mean, really the, the big change was just getting Budenholzer and that turned them from a, you know, maybe mid, you know, mid seed playoff team that would get knocked out in the first or second round to a team that you could reasonably, if everything keeps riding the course that it's doing right now, could be like, Eastern Conference Finals or Finals contenders for half a decade or so, yeah. um, all with the coaching search, you know, all just with by getting a different coach than Jason Kidd, and, and then I don't know. I I think ultimately more so than a head coach. Like you look at Fizdale, for example, was literally. I mean, obviously, once we looked back at his Memphis tenure, and then saw what he did with the Knicks. He was not brought on because he was a great coach and not for being a great X's and O's guy. He was a great relationships guy and that was it. And it was all meant to pay off last summer of like, Oh look, we have David Fisdale come sign with us. He, he coached with the heat when LeBron was there, like, you know, when LeBron Wade and Bosch and then 
it got them nothing. And LeBron and LeBron and Wade and whoever else will like sing his praises all day, but nobody will actually commit to be like, oh yeah, I'll come to a team that David Fisdale's on and sign with them because you know he's such a great coach or whatever. Um, like, can so, I yeah. can I ask you guys when, when's the last time a player signed with a team because of a coach? I can't. Uh, has it ever happened? You could maybe say LeBron with Miami, not directly for the coach, but like for Riley. Who... Yeah, yeah, but he signed. That was the he went with that. Well, I was about to say he went with that organization, but really, if we're if we're to believe everything that has been said and or strongly implied, that was the place that could allow him to play with both of his friends at once, as opposed to just one of his friends at once. You know, yeah. it's like. I, I don't know. I I can't think of the, any like big name players that signed somewhere strictly because yeah, it's, it's always role guys who like the fact that a coach emphasized them when they were on their team in the past. Yeah. I mean, just like a Taj make, Gibson or something. Yeah. yeah. Make your organization as good as it can be. And if you think Tom Thibodeau can make your organization the best it could be, hire Tom Thibodeau. If you think it's Kenny Atkinson, hire Kenny Atkinson. There is no way, shape, or form you could possibly think that Jason Kidd can make your organization the best it could possibly be. That's it just it can't. Then, then you it, it flies in the face of all logic. And it, I just I don't. Yeah. Well, and it just it's such a microcosm of what the Knicks thinking has been for the past twenty years. It's always how can we take a shortcut. How can we yeah. do this faster without fully committing? And that that's exactly what it is. Instead of like committing to which nominally they're doing right now, if they hire Tibbs, you can certainly argue that's that's part of that. But let's commit to improving every single aspect of this organization, which is what you're saying versus like, let's count on one relationship coming through to the point that a guy's willing to um, change the next five years of his life based on the strength of that relationship, despite nominally not having very much basketball success with that person as his coach. And it's just, I mean, it was never going to work, but Luckily, it doesn't. It doesn't seem like they're going that direction. Um, John, when you were like thinking about this throughout the process, where was sort of? I, I'm I'm sure you you've gone through like the ringer, like all of us, and had different opinions at different times. But where was sort of Tom Thibodeau on your final list of favorite candidates? I mean, when when his fir- when his name first surfaced, um, I I think I reacted probably like a lot of people, which is like, ugh, you know, I. What I didn't like about it is I felt like the rationale for it was um, classic Knicks, not in the sense that you just described as like, let's um, let's try to go for the quick fix. But it was classic Knicks in the sense of um, let's do what's comfortable. Let's do what's easy. Let's go with the guy who we know we're going to be able to work with because we're like we're friendly with him. Um, which I feel like there's a lot of, there's been, for, for as uncomfortable of of a place as MSG has been over the last 20 years, there is, I feel like comfortability is often a motivation for some of the decisions that they make. Um, then I actually thought about Tom Thibodeau as a coach and kind of started to dig into the numbers and like what ex players had said about them. And, I just I don't know how you discount him as a like as a really 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 good basketball coach. If if the if the worst thing you could say about a guy is that maybe his defensive acumen has fallen off in the last few years based on the stats in Minnesota, 
when he was dealing with a guy that I think we're starting to realize might, I don't know, is he, is he one of the most, I forget about one of the worst defensive centers in the NBA. Is there a guy who is more in, is there a superstar? And I, I'm going to call Towns a superstar. Is there a superstar who is more indifferent to defense than Carl Anthony Towns? Like, mm-hmm. and I, I honestly, maybe, okay, maybe one or two cli- like older guys who have kind of earned that right. Sorry, but Cat hasn't earned, you know, I don't want to curse on your show, but he's earned anything. Um, I don't know. A- and you need a center for, you need a really good defensive center to make Tibbs' defense work well. I just, I can't for the life of me think that a guy who literally revolutionized how the league defends, um, you know, has, has, has lost that much of a step on that end. And then on offense, it's like, I think he's shown himself to be pretty malleable with the guys that are on his roster at any particular time. Um, is he an offensive genius? No, absolutely not. I mean, and some of those numbers are less than ideal, but, um, you know, that's why you fill out a staff. And I think, you know, they're hiring. I think they're, let me, I'll, I'll close on this. I think they're hiring Tom Thibodeau as much to be the leader of the organ, like the vocal, the, leader of the organization, leader of the locker room. And I don't mean that in the Fisdale sense as like to be the face they trot out in front of the media. I don't mean just that. I mean like really be a leader because that's what everybody who has played for Tom Nibido seems to have in common. It's like he can do that again with the exception of towns. Um, so yeah, I think the rest of his staff will be very important too. And it seems like they're going to make some big swings as far as getting guys on the staff who are, are, you know, renowned in their own right. So I'm cool with it if it's tips. Um, I'm very happy if, if that ends up being the choice. All right, that's actually it for today. We are going to take a little, you know, overnight break and then come back with John Macri tomorrow and finish up this discussion, talk a little more about Tom Thibodeau and, you know, how you – build a roster that he could potentially be successful with, you know, the things that will need to be in place for him to be successful with the Knicks if he is indeed the next head coach. Uh, And then we also have a little bubble talk, as we mentioned at the top of the show, Uh, you know, just talking about the NBA bubble and how feasible we think it is, if we're worried at all, uh, based off how things have gone for the first week or so. And then just kind of some of the funny little things that we've noticed since it's started, which there's certainly been... Even in just a week or so, there's been plenty. So we will uh, finish this discussion up tomorrow on Locked on Knicks. See you then.